Welcome to Recreation Radio. On this podcast, a pile of non-professional actors are recreating old radio plays from the 40s and before and sometimes after. Mistakes, bad line readings, strange audio noises, changing racist and sexist stereotypes. You can find it all here. This month's episode is a reading of Murder Clinic, The Scrap of Lace. Original air date, September 22nd, 1942. Murder Clinic. Stories of the world's greatest detectives. Men Against Murder. Each week at this time, WRO... WOR Mutual turns the spotlight on one of the world's great detectives of fiction and invites you to listen to the story of his most exciting case. Tonight, Madame Rossica's story in The Scrap of Lace. Good evening, Madame Story. Your being at Murder Clinic is certainly a novelty. You're surprised to see a woman detective, Mr. Knight? That's right. And even more surprised to see a very beautiful detective. (laughs) (laughs) It's a queer business for a woman. Most people think so, Mr. Knight. But you see, being a woman gives me one great advantage. My adversaries usually underestimate me. Yes, I suppose they would. (laughs) Now, what's the tale you're going to tell us, Madam Story? It's called The Scrap of Lace. I chose it because it seems to me so unusual a crime. A strange story of jealousy and death? Of course, you know the great family of Kruger who ruled New York society for generations. When Mrs. Peter John Kruger III died, her mantle descended as a matter of course to Mrs. Peter John Kruger IV. This beautiful and charming young woman, Mimi by name, inherited not only her mother-in-law's scepter, but also Teresa de Guan. Teresa de Guan was the first, and certainly the greatest, of social secretaries. The story begins one summer morning at Carriswood, the enormous and rather monstrous Kruger estate in Upper Westchester. Mimi and Teresa de Guan were together in the breakfast room. Oh, Teresa, must we go to that dull dinner at the Bransoms tonight? Think I'll call it off. Mimi, you simply can't do that. Hmm? The dinner's being given for you. I was most insistent that I be consulted about the other guests. After all, my dear, you have certain responsibilities. Your mother-in-law, Mrs. Kruger III... Yes, I know. She was a paragon of the social virtues. She didn't mind being bored to death. Oh, Mimi, you are so lax. What would you do without me? (laughs) You worry too much, Teresa. You're living in the past. Your little assistant, Louise Mayfield, could possibly take over very well. Louise? Louise Mayfield? That- why that child? My dear Teresa, she's 21 and very competent. After all, you trained her. Yes, and I'm very fond of Louise. She's like a daughter to me. But take my place? Why, surely you're joking, my dear. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Jack Rowcliffe and Vera McPeak are a splendid match. He has a family position. Vera is young. She can be molded. She can be taught. I think you skipped a line. 
Oh, did I? Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, okay. You know, Mimi, I'm a bit worried about Louise. She's been acting very odd lately. This party she's going to tonight, I have no idea where it is, or who her hostess is to be. Well, whatever it is, she'll have a better time than I will. You know, Teresa, I shouldn't be surprised if Louise has been acting strangely because she's trying to keep you away from my handsome cousin, Jack Routcliffe. She doesn't seem very grateful to you, Teresa, for arranging to marry him off to Vera McPeak. Jack Routcliffe and Vera McPeak are a splendid match. He is family, position. Vera is young. She can be molded. She can be taught. <laughs> Jesse will have just laughed. Oh, yes, certainly, certainly, yes. yes. Her father has... And her father has 100 million. But I don't blame Jack from straying from the I don't blame Jack for straying Louise is very lovely. And I find Vera very very trying guest. I find Vera very trying guest. I find it very, all very trying. In fact, I find it all very trying. Mystic Guillaume. Up, there's Louise. Up, Louise, we're in the breakfast room. Come in here, my dear. Good morning, Miss Kruger. Mr. Guillaume, did you need anything from... Shit. Uh, no, Louise, I did. Teresa insists that we go to this dinner tonight. Jack and Vera are going with us. We'll be leaving around seven. Uh, tell Jack, won't you? Must I, Miss Kruger? Mrs. Kruger has asked you to deliver a message. Do so, my dear. Jack, I only came to tell you about the dinner. Is Tom playing Louise? He is playing Louise. Is, is that like a... Is it supposed to be like Louis? Oh, Louise. Please, must we go through all this again? Why don't you just leave me alone? Because I'm mad at you, Louise. Can't you understand? I'm in love with you. I want, to mar- I want you to marry me. You? Marry and support a wife? Don't be silly, Jack. It does sound silly, doesn't it? But I, I'm changed, I tell you. You've changed me, Louise. I love you. There's, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. And what about Vera McPeak? No, Jack, I'm afraid you've been bought, paid for, and delivered. Vera won't let you go so easily. I'll tell her tonight that I'm through, Louise. I'll meet her at the dinner and tell her. And then I'll come right back here to you. Come back if you like, Jack. Good. I'll be back at about... But I won't be here. Where, Where are you going, Louise? Well, why won't you tell me? It's another man I know. It's another man. Who is it? Who is it? This nonsense has gone far enough. What I do on my... What I do is my own business. Do you understand that, Jack? No, it's my business. You're mine, Louise. Do you hear me? You're mine. I'll have you and no one else will. Jack, let go of my wrist. Louise, tell me. You're hurting me. Please. Louise, I want to know. Let me go. Well, Jack. Vera. Still making passes at servants, I see. Perhaps it's just as... Well, you saw. Might as well have this out now. Shut up. I can handle this. It's pretty easy to see what Miss Mayfeld's little game is. She thinks she'll marry into the great uh, Kruger clan. Well, let me tell you, Miss Mayfield, Jack hasn't got a cent to his name and never will have. Vera, please. I understand perfectly, Miss McPeak. I assure you, I have no ambitions for Mr. Rowcliffe's direction. Quite the lady, aren't you, Miss Mayfeld? Well, watch your step. Sure, I know what you all think of me. Vulgar, common. But let me tell you, we common clay, McPeaks from Pittsburgh, know how to get what we want. And we know how to keep it. 
Think that over, Miss Mayfeld. Think that over. Yes, come in. Uh, Mademoiselle, uh, Miss Louise. Louis Floyd is French. Uh, Madame Kruger has sent me to help you to dress for your engagement. Come in. How thoughtful of Miss Kruger to send you, Suzanne. Have they gone? Uh, Louise, the car, it left long ago. Uh, they were not happy. Uh, Monsieur Jacques, he says nothing. And uh, Mademoiselle, he, the fiancé, the, you know, the ugly one, uh, how you say, she's very angry. Uh, even Madame, she want not to go. Well, let's now think of them, Suzanne. I'm very happy, and I'm going to have a wonderful time. Uh, Mademoiselle, uh, she's très char- I don't know what that word is, but uh, I think it means charming. Uh, very lovely. It's, it's, it is a tryst if you go, yes? It's for a young man that uh, your eyes shine so, huh? Maybe. You're too smart, Suzanne. How do I look? Oh, ravishing. That's not a word I would normally use, mademoiselle. He will eat you up. You are so lovely. Suzanne, you're a darling. Uh, yes, uh, who is it? A letter for Miss Mayfield. Oh, thank you. Uh, it is a letter for you, mademoiselle. For me? Why, it's a thick one, isn't it? Oh, how lovely. What an exquisite handkerchief. Why, who could have sent it to me? Madame Kruger must have sent it. It's one of the six uh, she bought in Paris. It is perfect, mademoiselle, for your costume, yeah? Oh, it's lovely. What a darling Miss Kruger is. Oui, she's uh, most generous. Uh, Shall I put the, uh, the perfume on it, mademoiselle? No, thank you. I'll do it myself, Suzanne. Oh, just put that bottle of gardenia perfume on my dressing table, please. Uh, oui, madame. Uh, your accent is getting a little weird at this moment. I don't know. Uh, you're all of a sudden English. Now, you can go, Suzanne. I won't need you anymore. Uh, merci, madame. Uh, bonsoir. Uh, uh, au revoir from uh, Quebec. It's unnecessary formality. <laughs> Good night, Suzanne, and thank you. Oh, it's so lovely. One more drop. (laughs) Suzanne! Suzanne, help! Suzanne! Sean! Sean! And I'm dead. In all my years of experience, Mimi, I have never had to cope with anything so, so sordid. Teresa, how, how can you think of appearances with Louise, that beautiful child lying in there dead? But I must think of them. After all, Dr. Plummer refuses to sign a death certificate. Uh, I think it's you with the, that old flopper. <laughs> yeah. That old flopper. That old flopper with his hints of foul play. Maybe he's right, Vera. Maybe. What do you mean, Jack? What do you know of Louise Mayfeld's death? Well, 
I... Stop wrangling, you two. Dr. Plummer was kind enough to give us 36 hours. He's risking a great deal going as far as that. Oh, why doesn't Madam Story get here? Are you sure you acted wisely in calling her in, Mimi? Well, it was either she or the police. He said she had a reputation for discretion. Come in. Yes? Madame Rosica Story and Miss Bella Brickley. Thank heaven you're here, Madam Story. This is a terrible situation. Terrible. Oh, but let me introduce you. I am Teresa de Guillon. This is Mrs. Peter John Kruger IV. How do you do? Hello. How do you do? How do you do? Hello. It was good of you to come so quickly, Madam Story. This unfortunate accident is likely to create a distressing scandal for Mrs. Kruger. Accident, Miss de Guillon? From what you told me over the phone, I gathered Louise Mayfield had been murdered. Nonsense. We don't know that, Madam Story. Nobody does. We only know Louise is dead. Poor child. We found her when we returned last night from our dinner party. It isn't nonsense, Teresa, and you know it. Madam Story is perfectly right. It'd be very foolish to ask her help and not give her all the facts. What facts, Mimi? <laughs> Just <laughs> Okay, we're back. What facts, Mimi? Just because that old fossil of a Dr. Plummer won't give a death certificate. If you ask me, it's a nice little scheme to get you to hire this story woman and split whatever she can manage out of you. Pharaoh. That's an interesting idea, Miss McPeak, though I must confess that so simple and clever a scheme would never have occurred to me. But surely Dr. Plummer offered some other reason for refusing a death certificate? Yes, he says, oh, it's impossible, but he says Louise was asphyxiated. Old fool, this isn't a gas outlet in the house. How helpful of you to know that, Miss McPeak. You won't mind, will you, if I check for myself? I don't mind what you do. Oh, what's the use of all this? We've got nothing to tell. All of us were at a dinner party 20 miles from here, together. When we got home after 11, we found Louise, well, that is, Miss Mayfield, dead. I see. Miss Guion, when you phoned me, you said something about a missing object. Suzanne the maid insists a lace handkerchief came in the mail for Louise as she was dressing to leave. When we found her, the handkerchief had disappeared. Very interesting. Suppose I start, then, by questioning this maid, Suzanne. Maybe she can tell me more about this missing handkerchief. Good morning, Bella. Good morning, Madam Story. Typing last night's notes, I see. Yes. Say, you look worried. What is it? Oh, how can one look out at that peaceful garden and realize that in this house, there's someone carrying the mark of Cain on their soul? Then you believe Louise Mayfield's death was not a natural one? That she was murdered? No doubt of it, Bella. That girl was asphyxiated. Oh, how horrible. So young and so full of life. And it's our job to find out who killed her. Have you finished typing those notes you took at our interminable interviews last night? Not quite. I'm almost finished. Well then, I think I'll step out on the terrace. Maybe the fresh air will help me think. Something is bothering you. Yes, Bella. What happened to that lace handkerchief Louise Mayfield received in the mail? I'm sure that was the thing that killed her. I must find it. Do call me when you're through with those notes, please. 
Ah, Madam Story, you come out and shame the flowers that dim the sunlight? Do you always make such pretty speeches, even so early in the morning, Mr. Rowcliffe? Oh, wait, this is supposed to be like I'm hitting on her. Give me a second. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I was making fun of her. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like making fun of her. <laughs> I thought you were in love. <laughs> uh, now I realize I'm like making. I'm supposed to be hitting on her. But your girl wasn't even. I mean, <laughs> she didn't even like me. She ran away and died. <laughs> she wasn't even six feet under, and you're already on to the I'm next. Already on to the next one. Look, you got to keep moving. <laughs> All right, let me let me hit on this person real quick. Ah, Madam Story, you come out and shame the flowers and dim the sunlight? Do you always make such pretty speeches, even so early in the morning, Mr. Rowcliffe? Beautiful lady, you remember my name. Yours would be a difficult name to forget, Mr. Rowcliffe. Hmm? Thanks to the Rotogravure and the picture magazines. Oh, that. You know, I had no hope of ever meeting you. I can't aspire to your circle. Much too clever. Hmm, it all depends. I should say that you were quite clever enough for your own purposes, Mr. Rowcliffe. I'm just a lightweight. I wonder. I see you're standing out under her window. That is Miss Mayfield's room up there, isn't it? Yes, uh, that was her room. Ivy-clad walls. Old English ivy. Sturdy and strong, too. I wonder why the vines are so torn and broken. Oh, are they? I, I hadn't noticed. You loved Louise Mayfield very much, didn't you? Yes, I loved her more than anything in life. And she? Oh, why should she care for me? What am I? Nothing but a wastrel. She was in love with someone else, I know it. I could tell. If I'd known who it was, I'd... Why didn't you tell me, Mr. Rowcliffe, that you'd left your dinner party and came back here last night? How did you know I did that? Wait. How did you know that I did? I didn't. You just told me. I don't know how to gulp. Um, I do know how to gulp. I just don't know how to get gulp like on <laughs> gulp. I'm just going to say it. It's just like, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know if you heard that. Thank you. Well, there you see, I, I told you you're too clever for me. What time was it when you got here? Well, I don't know. It was about 9.30, I think. I see. You came around back here in the garden. You saw a light in her window, called her, and got no answer. Then you climbed that ivy up to your... up. Sorry, I'll do it again. Then you climbed that ivy up to your... (laughs) That's a hard one. Then, then, you climbed that ivy up to her window, didn't you? Well, I... Who saw me? Nobody, as far as I know. That broken ivy tells its own story, but not all of it. Tell me, what did you do when you got up there? I suppose you're thinking that I kill her. I wouldn't blame you if you did, and I didn't care that much if you do. I've got, I've got nothing more. Please, please, Mr. Rowcliffe. I'm sorry. Well, I, I went in and found her lying there on the floor, dead. Then, like the coward I am, I got scared. How could I explain me my being there? So I, I climbed down again the way I went up and, and drove back to Quaker Ridge. I suppose you don't believe me. Suppose I say I reserve judgment. Now, will you give me the handkerchief that you took from Louise Mayfield's hand? How'd you know that? It's obvious. I suppose that you took it as a remembrance of her. Yes, I, I did. It was the last thing she'd touched. Here it is. Thank you. 
Madam Story, Madam Story, could you come into the office for a moment? We'll continue this talk later, Mr. Rowcliffe. Will you excuse me now, please? Certainly. So, this letter was pushed under the door? Did you open it, Bella? No. I saw it was addressed to Louise Mayfield, so I called you. I see. Hmm. It's postmarked Briarcliff. Here's a notation on the envelope in pencil. Hmm. Not a very literate correspondence, Bella. It says, If you want to buy any more info about this letter, we can make a deal. I'll drop around at 11. Well, we haven't long to wait. Now, let's read the letter. Darling, I can hardly wait till Tuesday night when I see you again. I'm moving heaven and earth to arrange things so we will be together for always. All my love, dear. Hmm. It's signed, J. J? That must be Jack Rowcliffe. In the light of what we know of their relationship, does it sound like Jack Rowcliffe? No, that's stupid of me. But the initial... Mm. It could be that J stands for John, Peter John Kruger. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-oh. This must be our mysterious correspondent now. Come in. Well, ladies, here I am. Johnny on the spot, like I says. Do we do business? You're the Kruger chauffeur, aren't you, Mr. Uh... Bargain's the name. Chauffeur and bodyguard. Well, I'm sure you're efficient in both departments, Mr. Gargan. But uh, why the bodyguard? Well, it's like this. Krugers are imp- important people, see? Mm-hmm. They're likely to be bothered by cranks and other undesirable citizens. Get it? They need protection. I'm the guy that can protect them. Yes, I can see that, Gargan. But now, um, about this letter? Yeah, that's right. Well, do I sing or don't I? That depends on your song, Gargan. First, tell me, how did you manage to get hold of this letter? Well, it's like this. I always get the mail, see? And I always deliver it. Yesterday, Mrs. Kruger and the old dame are with me. I'll go in and get the mail. And I look for it to see if there's something for me. And I see this letter. When I come out to the car, Mrs. Kruger says, give me the mail. I hand it to her. And when I get it back, this letter ain't with the others. Well, I don't think much about it till last night when this Mayfield dame is bumped off. Then I begin to smell a rat. And this morning, I did a little mooching around, and here it is. Very graphic, Gargan. What's that? Oh, skip it. Now, uh, what further information do you have to give us, Gargan? I can tell you who sent that letter to the Mayfield dame. So, for how much? For G. better in a second okay okay all right $500 that's an expensive song Gargan I'm nuts you can put it on the expense account you're right nuts it is the $500 is yours 
don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> Thanks. Here you are. Now, who sent this letter to Louise Mayfield? Well, it was the one... Garkin! Madam Story, is he dead? Yes! The shot came through that window. But why? It's obvious. To keep him from telling us who sent that letter to Louise. Here, help me put him in the closet over there. Rosika, I won't let you. You can't! You've got to report it. If I report it now, the police would interfere with all my plans. I need 24 hours. You're risking your reputation. We've taken risks before. But this is concealing a murder. Why do you need 24 hours? To learn the secrets of this, Bella. Why? Why? That's one of Mrs. Kruger's handkerchiefs. No, Bella, it's a THE handkerchief. The one Rowcliffe found on Louise Mayfield's body. I'm staking my reputation on this little scrap of lace. Madam Story, Potter is back. Oh, that's good, Bella. Did he bring back the handkerchief and the laboratory report? Yes, here they are. Hmm, just as I thought. Oh, what a horrible use of such a lovely thing. This handkerchief was the murder weapon, Bella. But how could it have been? Because our murderer knew that Louise Mayfield used Gardenia toilet water. Gardenia toilet water will get you every time. But can we find out who sent it? I rather think we can. Bella, get those four lace handkerchiefs that Suzanne got for me from Mrs. Kruger. What are you going to do now? Now, my dear Bella, I'm going out to present a noose to a murderer. And then, oh, you're back at the play. Let's oh, do I'm this. Back. Okay, cool. Mr. Rowcliffe, I wanted to return this handkerchief to you for safekeeping. I'll want it back tomorrow morning. I don't know how at present, but I feel this handkerchief will be the means of proving who killed Louise Mayfield. So guard it carefully. Well, I'll do that. You can depend on me, Madam Story. Thank you, Mr. Rowcliffe. Miss McPeak, the greatest proof that I'm not against you is that I'm going to ask you to keep this handkerchief for me, the most important piece of evidence I have. I have no assurance the murderer would not kill me to get it back, but it would never be supposed that I'd given it to you to guard. Will you keep it for me until tomorrow morning? Oh, don't worry. I'll keep it safe. Thank you, Miss McPeak. Mrs. Kruger, it's the handkerchief. It's the one that was sent to Louise Mayfield. Where'd you get it? Can't tell you that now, but I'm afraid it was the cause of her death. Oh, horrible. I know. What I'm going to ask you to do is to hold on to it for me just until tomorrow morning. Oh, but Mrs. Dugion, you can help. What is the real situation, Madam Story? Oh, I wish I knew. I suspect, but I have no proof. 
I can go no further without the assistance from the chemists. Whom do you suspect? Oh, you know? I'm afraid I do. Well, what I want you to do is keep this for me until tomorrow. Mrs. Kruger, I have asked you, Miss Dugyon, Miss McPeak, and Mr. Rowcliffe to meet me here this morning in order that we may determine who murdered Louise Mayfield. What do you mean? You know Madam Story? You know who killed her? Oh, wait, no. Sorry. Quack, quack. I believe I do, Mrs. Kruger, but I hope to prove it. I know that lace handkerchief was sent to her through the mail was the murder weapon. Perhaps that can tell us something. May I have the handkerchief, please? Here? Here. Why, certainly. Here you are. Why, I thought... I don't understand. (laughs) I say, what is this? So, a trick? That's right, Miss McPeak, a trick. But one only a guilty person need fear. Guilty? But really, Madam Story, I don't understand. Bella? Yes, Madam Story? Please take the handkerchiefs one at a time. Mark each in pencil with the initials of the person from whom you received it. May I have the handkerchiefs, please? Yes, here's mine. One at a time, please. Well, all right. Now, Bella, spread them out on your desk with the initials turned face down. Now, as you probably surmise, none of you had the original handkerchief. That has never left my possession. Here it is. But I I don't understand. This handkerchief in my hand is impregnated with a deadly poison. When moistened with alcohol, it releases a lethal gas, which is instantly fatal. May I remind you that perfume is 90% alcohol, and a young girl about to go out on a romantic tryst would inevitably moisten it with perfume. How horrible! Yes, Miss Dugion, I agree with you. But, but, surely you don't suspect any of us. Why not, Miss McPeak? I've found that a murderer is usually actuated by fear. Fear of what the victim might do to them. All of you faced that fear as Louise Mayfield was concerned. But one of you feared so deeply that you dared risk murder to protect what you had. You feared loss of position, prestige, being supplanted by a younger, more attractive girl, loss of all that had made life worth living. That one person alone knew what the fatal handkerchief contained. I gave each one of you what you thought was that handkerchief. I was curious to see what disposition you would make of the evidence. Bella? Yes? Please examine those four handkerchiefs carefully. And when you've done that, tell me if any of them are changed since they left our hands last evening. Yes. This one has been washed. Wash? I don't understand. Read the initials on it. T-D-G. Teresa. Teresa? Keep away from me. Keep away from me. I'll shoot. Why you? Screams. Oh, fuck. Okay. She's shot herself. She shot herself 20 times. Oh.
It's all my fault. Poor Teresa. Poor thing. She she was old. She couldn't stand it. She just couldn't stand it. No, Mrs. Kruger. It wasn't your fault. It was better this way. The end of a passing world. Exit to an era. You have been listening to Murder, Inc. Murder... Oh, sorry. (laughs) You've been listening to Murder Clinic. Murder Clinic, the WOR mutual series which brings you each week one exciting case. One member from the select band of the world's great detectives. Next week, Murder Clinic will bring you Sir Henry Merivale, known to his host of admirers as H.N., in Death in the Dressing Room. This famous detective finds a brilliantly clever pickpocket and discovers an even more clever murderer. Tonight's detective was Madame Rosica Story, played by Elizabeth Morgan. Original music was composed by Ralph Barnhart and conducted by Bob Stanley. This program was an international exchange feature over the coast-to-coast network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Tales told on Murder Clinic are adaptations by Arthur's Lee Wright and John A. Bassett. Murder Clinic is produced under the direction of Alvin Flanagan. Frank Knight speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This episode's cast has been Danny, Sophie, Jesse, Sarah, Tom, Ari, Chase, Floyd, Kiz, Sam, and Nico. All scripts are deemed public domain by way of copyright expiration. If you'd like to be a part of the team, find us on Instagram at Recreation Radio or email recreatingradio.com at gmail.com. Uh, well, hopefully that was uh, that was good. Please let me know if I need to record it again. That was awesome. But yeah, no, um, we slayed. Oh my god, that was and... so good. <laughs> five hundred dollars. You'll have the five hundred. I'll Venmo you. Half a G. Half a G. <laughs> I lost my mind.